You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by Matt Derry, the host of Locked On Lions. Matt, how you doing? James, I'm doing all right, my friend. It's uh, been, a, been a rough season, to say the least, for the Lions. Uh, they've lost six in a row, <laughs> nine of ten, and this game does not have much meaning here in Detroit, but I know in Tampa there's some optimism that this thing's starting to turn around a little bit with that offense, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, a big blow losing Mike Evans. Uh, rumor has it that it that it'll be the rest of the year. Uh, Greg Allman of the Athletic had reported that he he was getting his MRI today, but it looks like Mike Evans will be done for the year. Uh, but you know, I I needed I needed your help this past Sunday, Matt, because if the <laughs> Lions had won that game, the Bucks are still contending for a playoff spot. So I don't know if the Bucks are going to show up angry or or how this is going to go. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because you look at what Tampa Bay brings to the table, and even with no Mike Evans, and that's a huge blow, but the way Chris Godwin's been playing and with those tight ends that the Bucks have, uh, and I've always liked like Brayton. I, I mean, you know, I would expect or the way the Buccaneers under Bruce Arians just put points on the board that it's going to be too much for the Lions to to – to keep up. If Matthew Stafford was healthy, um, you know, I'd be the first to tell you it's going to be a shootout. Maybe the Lions win this game, but he's not. Obviously, won't be playing. And David Blau, their third quarterback, will will be out there again. And he's he's kind of been figured out here over the last, you know, game and a half after a pretty good start to the Thanksgiving Day game. And it's just been a disastrous season. <clears throat> like I said, this was a team that was 2-0-1 and feeling pretty good about themselves. And now 3-9-1. In year two of Matt Patricia and year four of general manager Bob Quinn, it's just not been good. Not been good at all. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'm sure the rumor mill is swirling about Matt Patricia and his future. And and I know a, a couple of friends of mine are a big concern, of course, was the success rate of Patriots head coaches or head coaches to come out of the Patriots organization. Um, and it, it, it seems like poor poor Matt Patricia up there is just he's having a rough go <laughs> yeah you know you know what James when you really look at the bottom line here is is 9 19 and 1 is unacceptable this is not a rebuild when Jim Caldwell was fired and not that Lions fans are all of a sudden back on the Caldwell bandwagon but they looked up and said look the man that was fired by Bob Quinn had an 11 and 5 season they went to the playoffs had two 9 and 7 seasons one of those years they went to the playoffs. Now they didn't win a playoff game. Quinn, as general manager, decided to bring in his buddy, play a little buddy ball. He's hired plenty of Patriots personnel people. He's hired plenty of Patriots ex-assistant coaches. He's brought in plenty of ex-Patriot players. And the bottom line is it's not working. The team is underachieving. Yes, they're in probably arguably the best division in football. And even, even a bad Bears team is seven and six, but they're not playing good football at all. They're in every game, albeit this past week, they finally weren't. It was the first game all year that they hadn't had a lead in. Uh, they're banged up. A lot of guys on IR, Stafford, on Johnson, TJ Hawkinson, now Marvin Jones out for the year. 
So there's plenty of injuries, but they just don't win enough football games. They don't close enough football games. Uh, you know, Patricia looks lost at times, especially when it comes to challenges or, or decision-making timeouts at the end of halves. Uh, and, and it just, it's, it's not, like I said, it's not working, but the talk in Detroit at least is James, that, that those guys will get one more year at least. Well, it, you know, I, I hope for the best, you know, for, for Lions fans, because they overall have been just about as miserable as Buccaneers fans. <laughs> this is a team that is now reaching their 12th consecutive season without a playoff appearance. They haven't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl back in 2003 in John Gruden's first season. And in that in that span of 12 seasons with no playoff appearances, they only have two seasons with winning records. They won 10 games uh, in 2010. They won nine games in 2016. Neither one was good enough to make the postseason. So, you know, there's there's some sympathy from from Bucks fans to Lions fans and vice versa, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, James, no offense to you. Uh, I hear you. But Lions fans are not going to have a sympathy for anybody, and you just said it, that has won a Super Bowl. And, and obviously those <laughs> years with, with John Gruden and certainly the Derrick Brooks-led defense and, you know, uh, Brad Johnson and everything else leading them to a Super Bowl, it's, it would be unfathomable fathomable to think about, James, some sort of parade. And this, this city would, you know, we make a joke, this city would burn down if the Lions won a Super Bowl. But these fans have been so patient. They've been so loyal. And to have any kind of a run like those Bucks teams did under Tony Dungy even, and then, of course, Gruden winning it all, would just be a dream. It, it, it really would. Let me ask you, uh, and I know we're kind of going back and forth here a little bit, but I, I want to ask you about, about how the, the, the Bruce Arians era has been ushered in this year and what, what people think of the job he's doing. Uh, a rough start. A very, very rough start. You know, Bruce Arians was brought in to be – the quarterback whisperer that he is he's been touted to be and uh early on and and even even in the past couple weeks despite this three game winning streak we've still seen struggles out of Jameis Winston um but overall you're seeing the growth of a team was highly criticized for getting rid of Gerald McCoy and bringing in Indomitian Sue well we're 13 games into the season and the Buccaneers have not allowed a thousand yards rushing total this season. Whereas Carolina, you know, that's the number one ranked ranked rush defense. Carolina's all the way down to 30th. You have a, a defense where they talked about how excited they were to get Vernon Hargraves going and, and get him involved and put him in a position to succeed. He wasn't doing his job. They ship him out of town to Houston since he is, has been in Houston now and not a member of the Buccaneers, they haven't given up 300 passing yards in a game. Uh, so you're seeing some of this stuff start to collectively come together late in the season. But we've seen this before in Tampa where, you know, once they're out of it, once the games are, are quote unquote meaningless, that's when they start to make a run. The question is, are they getting enough done now to build on for next year. And, and there's some frustration surrounding Byron Leftwich's play calling style. You know, he's still kind of learning on the fly. Um, yeah, there, there are some, some questions as 
win now, but there's still these problems that weren't addressed that should have been addressed. You still have issues along the offensive line. Jameis Winston has been sacked uh, either the most or the second most now of any quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, why isn't OJ Howard as involved as he should be with as talented as he is? And lately, Bershad Perryman has emerged as that number three receiver, but early in the season, some crucial drops, some some frustrating miscommunications. So it's been a much larger process than people imagined it was going to be. But the arrow is starting to point up, and I think a lot of Bucks fans are starting to be a little bit more optimistic than they have been in years past, given the run at the end of the season. But again, we've seen this, we've seen this play before. The question is, is this one going to have a different ending when they head into 2020? And you mentioned Indomik and Sue. I'm kicking myself because uh, I've always been a Sue fan. I was one that wanted Sue to stay. I was one that was told by many Lions sources years ago that the Lions actually, you know, Sue actually wanted to stay. And I'm kicking myself because the first two days of the week, uh, I forgot to even mention that uh, <laughs> was coming back to Ford Field. That's wild. Well, and it, it seems like, you know, ages ago that Indomitian Sue was, was a member of the Detroit Lions. But, of course, he and Gerald McCoy are forever tied at the hip, being drafted back-to-back, same draft class, which one was going to emerge. Um, you know, and a lot of Buccaneers fans still hold Gerald McCoy in such high esteem. They would rather have that 93 than the 93 that that they currently have. But a lot of other Buccaneers fans are like, look, He's a great compliment to what Vita Vea has been doing. This team has established that they are one of the most dominant defenses when it comes to stopping the run. It's starting to translate to the pass defense, which was so abysmal the first half, the first 10 games of the NFL season that I don't think they're going to be able to crawl out of the basement in those rankings, but you're starting to see them flourish a little bit in the secondary with a lot of young guys that trust one another and communicate well. But it starts with with up front where you have Sue and Vea wreaking havoc up the middle. You have Shaq Barrett, the NFL leader in sacks, coming off the edge. You have JPP back. You have Carl Nassip in the rotation and two dominant linebackers in Levante David and rookie Devin White that this defense really is starting to come together. And I think Indomitian Sue deserves some credit for for how this defense has come together, especially the the way he and Vea have really a, attacked offensive lines this season. I know we want to break, James, and, and when we come back, we'll kind of flip the script a little bit. Sound good? Absolutely. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll be back right after a word from our sponsors. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number 
too. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And welcome back to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. James Yarko, Matt Derry of Locked On Bucks and Locked On Lions. Matt, let's talk a little bit about just absolutely how brutal the injury bug has been for these Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford, a, a guy that I've I've liked for a long time, uh, you know, was having a, a pretty decent season. He's out with injury. Carry on Johnson, one of my absolute favorite running backs in the NFL. I love that guy. I love watching him run. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the way he plays the game. He's he's out for the season. You, I mean, how how bad is the injury problem in Detroit? And what concerns or what uh, what positions does it have you looking at now? Now that that the Lions and Bucks are both in uh, a draft mode and and off season mode, what has it kind of opened your eyes to as far as the depth on this team is concerned? That's a great question, James. I think at the start of the year, I was one that said, I like this football team. I think in year four of Bob Quinn, he's developed some depth. And let's take a, a good long look at it and, 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 and see how much better it is. And at the start of the season, like I said, 2-0-1, albeit the opening game against Arizona was disappointing because it was a tie and the Lions blew a, a double-digit second-half lead. But you looked up, at least at the start of the year, and you said, wow, Defensive line is going to be really, really good. They went out and got Trey Flowers. They already had Deshaun Hand and Ashawn Robinson. Devon Kennard coming off the edge would be pretty good. Romeo Okwara was a, 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 a nine-and-a-half sack guy a year, or seven-and-a-half, uh, eight-and-a-half sack guy a year ago. And and then you had Mike Daniels late into the, the preseason where you know he was, a, he was a cut by the Packers, and you went, wow, he's going to come to the Lions. And they had some money to spend, and they got him for $9 million. And you went, wow, this D-line is going to be vicious. Sean Hand really has been out for most of the year. Max Harrison, who I didn't even mention, was not in great shape and has had some nicks and, and some bruises. But that's the spot where when you mentioned James' depth, that was supposed to be the strength of the team, and it's been horrible. They've not been able to stop the run all year. They've not been able to get to the quarterback all year. Yes, Trey Flowers has six sacks, but – you know, he's paid $18 million a year. I was hoping for eight or nine at this point uh, in the season. Linebacking core is a mess. Uh, the secondary has been banged up to the point where rookie Amani Oruarie is playing a lot at corner, but he didn't really play and was, was deactivated for most of the start of the season. Uh, as far as injuries at quarterback, of course, it starts and ends with Matthew Stafford. Broken bones in his back for the second straight year. This time, there should be no reason he should be playing through it nor should he be coming back yet. They haven't put him on injured reserve yet because Stafford has told him if he's healthy enough to go, even if it's week 17 in a meaningless game against the Packers, he wants to play. But I think the Lions would be doing some serious uh, mistakes 
and make a serious mistake if somehow, some way, Stafford was out there in these meaningless games. You mentioned Carryon Johnson. That is a big blow. But this is the second consecutive year now that he's been hurt. He was hurt mm-hmm. a lot of And so you have to question how durable he is. Uh, there, he is back practicing with the team, and there's a chance he could play in weeks uh, 16 and 17. But again, why would you put him back out there? But yes, injuries have played a, have played a role, but that's not the biggest reason this team has fallen short in a lot of the football games this year. Now, one of the things that the Lions have going for them is they do have some playmakers in the secondary. And I understand that there was a there was a little bit of like a friendly competition amongst the corners earlier this season uh, to determine who was going to emerge as the best of the group and some friendly wagers going on between those guys. When you take a look at the Lions secondary and the way even without Mike Evans, the Bucks' offensive weapons can stack up against uh, against the Lions. You have Chris Godwin. You have an emerging Brashad Perryman. Justin Watson was a huge factor in the win against the Colts, really seeing his first meaningful snaps of his NFL career in his second season. Plus the tight ends that you mentioned earlier in the game or earlier in the show, O.J. Howard has had back-to-back really solid games. Cameron Brait had a touchdown. How do you... <clears throat> How do you look at at the Lions secondary versus the Buccaneers pass catchers? Uh, yeah, I'm concerned. Number one, I'm concerned about Jameis Winston having a lot of time to throw. Obviously, he's thrown a lot of interceptions, but that's when he's had pressure on him. And I'm going to ask you in a minute about his thumb. But uh, look, Darius Slay is a is a Pro Bowl cornerback. He has not had a Darius Slay type season. He is not happy with the direction of this organization. He already is unhappy that he didn't get a contract extension this offseason. And then this team went out and traded one of his best friends, Quandre Diggs, for a fifth-round pick because they thought they had some young safeties in Tracy Walker and Will Harris that they were going to go with. Walker's a really good football player. Harris, who knows? He's a third-round pick from BC. He's a, he's a downgrade, in my opinion, from Quandre Diggs. But this is the second consecutive year where the Lions have shipped off a very popular veteran in the middle of the season for a draft pick. Last year it was Golden Tate, and then this year it's Quandre. And Diggs is flourishing and playing very well with Seattle. You're right, start of the year, Rashawn Melvin was playing well in the opposite corner of Darius Slay, and Justin Coleman was a stud playing in the uh, in the slot. Last eight weeks, Coleman's been brutal. Teams have figured out that they'll line up a player up in the, in the slot, and maybe Godwin will do this this week, unless Slay's on him every, every game. If Evans were healthy, I'd tell you the Bucs could put up 40 on that fast track at Ford Field. But Coleman's had trouble with, with deep balls down the down the sideline as 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 slot receivers have kind of taken him there. Like I said, I like Tracy Walker defensively uh, as a quarterback back there. You mentioned Devin White earlier. My question to you, number one, let's tell me about this Jameis Winston thumb thing. And number two, we'll go back to the defense. Tell me about how, how well has Devin White been playing? Because that was the guy I wanted the Lions to draft. And, of course, he was taking a couple of picks ahead of the Lions taking TJ Hawkinson. It sounds like Jameis is going to be good to go with that uh, that small fracture in his thumb. I mean, he, he got the fracture, what we're assuming, is uh, when he was sacked by Justin Houston in the second quarter and uh, – Came back out in the second half. He missed the first couple drives. Ryan Griffin, 30-year-old backup quarterback, takes his first regular season NFL snaps um, 
and then Jameis comes back out on the field and and leads them back from 14 points down. It was the first time uh, they had lost 29 consecutive games when they had trailed by eight or more points at any time in the game. So wow. that that streak was finally snapped when you know they trailed the the Colts by ten points two different times, and at one point in the third quarter they were down fourteen. So I think Jameis will be just fine. Um, you know, he'll Jameis will be Jameis, broken thumb or not. Yeah, you know, he'll he'll go out there and he'll be Jameis. He'll probably gift Detroit. Take your head, kind of turnover, but of course I, I will warn Lions fans to be a little weary. If that turnover happens on the Buccaneers opening drive four times this season, Jameis Winston has thrown an interception on the Buccaneers opening drive. The Bucs have won three of those four games. So don't get too excited if it's an opening drive interception. Uh, as far as Devin White, I could not be happier with Devin White. He uh, struggled a little bit early on, as, as a lot of rookies do, missed time with a knee injury. Since he's been back, he, of course, is it was November's defensive rookie of the month. Uh, he, uh, in one game against Jacksonville, gets his first career interception, gets his first career uh, touchdown on a, a fumble recovery. He had a key, and I can't stress that word enough, a key forced fumble against the Colts. They were in the red zone. Naheem Hines was was stretching out to try to gain an extra one or two yards and a pure veteran move as Hines is midair stretching out. Devin White comes over and just pokes the ball right out of his hand. The Bucks recover. Of course, Jameis turned it over three plays later, but that's neither here nor there. It was, it was a huge momentum shift. Uh, the Colts would go on to miss a field goal following their interception. Buccaneers were able to take it down for a touchdown. Uh, in eight or nine games now since Devin White has returned from his knee injury, he's led the team in tackles five times. And that's when he's lining up next to somebody like Levante David, who is, I will argue to the death with anyone, the most criminally underrated defensive player in all of football. Uh, doesn't get selected to Pro Bowls, doesn't get recognition for all pros, and his numbers stack up against anybody in the league this is a guy that does not miss tackles he was called for a pass interference against the Jaguars which was a really bad call by the way um and that was the first penalty called against him since 2016 Levante David wow. is the quintessential linebacker and Devin White is performing up to that level and sometimes even past that level so yeah I could not be happier with Devin White and believe it or not, there were a lot of, of Bucks fans that were not happy with that draft pick at number five. They wanted a pass rusher. They wanted somebody like a Josh Allen. Um, and yeah, they, they did not want an off ball linebacker at number five. And he very quickly is, is shutting up his critics and showing, look, I was absolutely worth that pick. All right, so we got to wrap up. Uh, I'm going to say 28-17 Tampa Bay. I just don't see the Lions winning another game this year. Um, you know, I, like you said, a ferocious D-line for the Bucs. I love those linebackers. I wish the Lions had those two guys, David and uh, and and certainly Devin White. Uh, what do you say, James? Yeah, I, I think the Bucs are going to win their fourth in a row. Uh 
the Mike Evans factor is going to hurt a little bit, but I still think the Bucks can break 30. I'm going to go 33 to 33 to 20. All right, James. Great stuff, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Of course, you can check out everything that Matt is doing with Locked On Lions. And uh, where can they follow you on Twitter, Matt? At Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks. How about you? All right. Yeah, you can follow everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and on Twitter at JayYarko underscore Bucks. Matt, thank you so much for sending your time, brother. Hi, James. Uh, Best of luck Sunday. All right, and we thank each and every one of you for joining us right here on Crossover Wednesday. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back, this is the moment.